Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, friends. Why do you have to do I literally was looking at you, just praying that you would do a nice, calm, hi guys, welcome. Because I don't like doing hi guys, because that's how like YouTubers start their videos. And I actually said this to somebody the other day that I fear that there's going to be a generation of kids who've sat on their iPads during the pandemic watching American YouTubers who now are just going to be like, hi guys. And it it really distresses me. Does that make me middle-aged? No, but I feel like you're, you've been influenced. So. How so? Your hair. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> No, it's the only way I can do my hair at the moment. So my little kind of milkmaid over the top braid, courtesy of um, Joe Launchbury's wife, Mallory, on Instagram. I, I was like, oh, I like her, her hair like that. I'm going to do my hair like that. So yeah, the slightly annoying thing about watching you when you've got that hair is that you like twiddle the little rat's tail um, that dangles down. Um, whoa, whoa. But I do like it. Oh, it looks nice. Like, anyway, We've, we've been missing for a week. Um, yeah. How's things? Are you still busy because you've been painful the last few days? Oh, I've got to sort out this show that I'm producing at the weekend. Yeah, do you know what? I feel like I'm not twice as busy as I normally would be. I'm just half as useful because I still <laughs> only essentially have the use of my left hand um so I type with my left hand and one finger from my right hand um <laughs> which is a really interesting look um I bumped into one of my editors when I was at BBC today and he clocked my tuba grip and I made the mistake of telling him that my mum's been calling me Keith Lemon so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah oh Keith Jones Keith Jones um but my my stitches are nearly gone but as you predicted they haven't but then yeah then they're not um they're not really disposable when they say they are I remember god years ago in fact when I mean when I say years like 20 years ago when I was at college um I got hit in the mouth in training and my bottom teeth went through my lip anyway I know I was like oh that kind of hurt and there was like loads of blood everywhere and we went up into the changing room and which actually wasn't a changing room it was just a toilet and um even though we were at rugby academy and um realized that I had um saliva dripping down my chin but it wasn't coming from my mouth 
um, like out of my lip. It was coming out through the hole. Anyway, got went down to A&E and the woman wouldn't believe me that um, I'd split my lip open. And I said, look, I've got a hole because there was really, like mud everywhere, blood everywhere. And so she decided to test it by putting a needle through it, um, oh, which oh. wasn't wasn't the most comfortable um with the girls giggling because I was like looked like an old man with no teeth anyway they put stitches in and I had stitches all through the middle of my mouth and on the outside um that were supposed to be dissolvable and they weren't um and I was getting really quite frustrated it looked like it was getting maybe a bit infected so my mum basically said well you can actually get rid of them yourself at the moment I then put down the phone and went off (laughs) obviously she continued to say with something that was clean so I decided the only thing I could find straight off the back of that call where she hadn't finished her sentence um wasn't nail clippers it was kitchen scissors um that um were approximately 25 centimeters long and I used in a mirror the reflection to cut out the ones um I, I, obviously I understood then afterwards when you pull it through you risk infection I was very fortunate I didn't um, my mum was mortified um, but I lived to tell the tale and I still have um, a slight left. scar in my mouth but it's all good so anyway moral of the story disposable stitches rarely come out but yeah. um, I feel like we kind of skirted I, the stitches and didn't give any backstory to it I had an operation on my hand last week as a result <laughs> of the plaster cast I haven't split my lip open or anything um I had a little nerve release in my hand just we'll just catch you up on the things that obviously have happened over the past week or so Nolly turned 44 last week great for her mega mega lols and actually that leads beyond quite nicely to top tip because oh, we should try hard I'm going to embarrass you actually because I mean it was a day late but you did message me the day before obviously yeah. remembering it was my birthday the booking system online hadn't allowed you to, to deliver hey, or the delivery today or the delivery cost was too expensive for my birthday because it's the next day um to send instead of sending I had some amazing flowers like beautiful flowers came through um from D and from Guinness and from my brother like it, yeah anyway lots of I mean it's like a florist here um but sent me make your own pizza um from Bertelli's and it was I'm, I'm not gonna lie a fantastic idea and top tip if anyone is having a lockdown um birthday that you know send them some food because food <laughs> let's be honest is the way to all of our hearts currently yeah feed the soul eh it's one of those things um, where like I kind of thought other people will send you flowers and also it's just so like at the moment the only thing that brings me joy is food like <laughs> there are days where I'm like just getting through the day to get to like a dinner that I'm excited about and that's my top tip my top tip slow cooker it is slow cooker season. Get your slow cookers out. You're at home. You can see cookers. Have people got to have plural or no. <laughs> the eight listeners to get their slow cook? We don't have eight listeners. We have more than that, guys. But Nolly earlier on was looking at the statistics of the podcast and basically clicked too many tabs because she's so impatient and thought that we had eight listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I know that obviously. 
<laughs> yeah, and obviously one of them is me and one of them's you, so it went down to six. I don't listen to but, this. <laughs> oh, um, I mean, what slow cooker, my dad. It, so every time I go home to my dad, obviously haven't been home for a long time, um, actually you. made me feel a bit sad, actually. Um, anyway, every time I go back to my dad's house, it's really funny because he is getting on and like they've got a big house and they're trying to declutter because he's a hoarder. That's where I get it from. Um, and he tries to like palm off certain things to me and a slow cooker, an electric slow cooker is always on the list. Yeah. But he's like, would you use a slow cooker, Nolly? Do you want to say, I'm like, no, dad, I don't, I don't want it. And then the next time, do you want a slow cooker, Nolly? I'm like, no, because I hate stew. I hate so many other things. Do you know what? I feel like this is the rehashing of an argument that happened when I first joined BBC, Gareth Rousseau-Owen, who um, anyone who watches S4C will know is the main rugby presenter on there. He and I basically had a stand-up argument in the office. I'd only been working there about two weeks. And I didn't even, I'd never really met him before that. Um, about the merit of slow cookers I will admit that we repeated said argument today in the office but it didn't get as nasty um but it it kind of transpired that he wound me up to a point with this argument for a reason because it meant I then felt that I had to defend the honor of my slow cooker and <laughs> then spent all night making a pork and beef bolognese ragu in the slow cooker which I then bought in for blind testing in the office the next day so all the boys got a free lunch out of me so yeah, I mean, mate, you fell right into that. That's yeah. an absolute schoolgirl error. Um, yeah. You know, the reason why I don't like stew, and I feel like we've put this on the podcast before, is because I it's so passionate. About you know, it. everyone always says you grow out of not liking foods, and I feel like that's the kind of case. I didn't like onions. I eat onions now. I didn't like beetroot. Love beetroot now. Love beetroot. Um, didn't like spicy food. Love spicy food now. Learned to like it through loving Thai which I actually made on my birthday because the pizzas arrived late day late but um, but, um <laughs> ramen though when we went to our local noodle bar when we were living in Tokyo I had a bit of a dodgy um jet lag illness <laughs> yeah, that jet lag what about that jet lag um but th there's two things that I've never well no actually there are more things I don't like to eat but the two things I've like, never grown out true. of mushrooms awful 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 and parsnip so my mum my mum used to cut um so she'd make it regularly make a stew yeah. I didn't really like meat that disintegrated but she would she would cube potato swede and parsnip so that and, and do that like oh the kids can't see what it is so they'll just eat yeah. it Obviously, as soon as I put it in my mouth, I knew, but also realised that there's the tube bit going through parsnip. So all I needed to do was look for the circle, ditched. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I don't like the thought of owning a slow cooker, because I feel like I would have to make you a stew. Have to put those things in there. I did, a <laughs> beef, I did a beef stew with carrots and celery and onions with oxtail soup, and I put orzo in it. What's also half your Italian stallion of a partner? It is a rice shaped pasta, so it you put it in to like a soup or like a stew, and it kind of puffs up so that you've got essentially a whole meal in a bowl. It's really lovely. I put too much in and it's a bit too glitchy, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, 
but I had it for lunch today. It was delicious. And um, my, I'm going to tell you my pause for positivity now. So yeah. last Monday after my op, I then spent a few days in bed recuperating, convalescing, and I feel like there's no new things on TV because nobody's had the opportunity to make content. So you know, everybody who knows me well knows I love the West Wing and I've dived back into the West Wing. I started from the beginning. I've been listening to a podcast that uh, goes through each episode by episode. Um, I am just in my absolute element. I think the big thing with the West Wing for me is that it's a cast of characters that you, if it's the same with any program that you love, you become really attached to them. It'll be like when you finish Shit's Creek and cry your eyes out at the end. But for me, the West Wing are these people that I just love so much and it just makes me feel like warm and fuzzy and happy. Um, so yeah, like find something so, you've watched before and you love. That was my pause for positivity. That's where I felt really positive and happy. Um, I'm really pleased, but now I know that when you tell me you're working and that you're busy, too busy to do certain things, you're actually engrossed in um, hours and hours of West Wing um just have it on in the background because I've seen every episode yeah, two right. times so um okay well I mean from a positive note to maybe not so positive there's you been quite positive. a lot of... before you change oh, the positive one each yeah come on um <laughs> okay so as I mentioned I'm going to slowly keep dropping little bits of information but as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago I'm doing some work with a company that um, is basing a lot of the um, the fundamental reason for what we're doing around the UN global goals and around climate change which are like climate change um, life below the water uh, inequality and stuff but I've always been quite passionate about recycling. I used to get really angry at England training when we were sponsored by a water company. I can't even remember the name of it. And people would just have half the bottle and then fling it. And then the bottles would be in the bin. It was just awful, um, like absolutely awful. So, um, and our team manager hated me because I was like, have you got the recycling bags yet? Have you got the recycling bags yet? She's like, okay, like freak. But um, actually when I, I messaged you and I said, oh, the pizzas from Botelli's are really good, but really disappointed with the amount of plastic um, that it all came in. And then realized that I went back and like looked at the, um, the packaging just to see whether it was recyclable and stuff. And actually it was made from recycled plastic and oh, they, they've yeah. made this massive thing about like the whole packaging is like green and it says about sustainability and like all that type of thing. Um, so just my pause for positivity was that actually, I was just really pleased that I genuinely cared. Um, and I think that it's something that a lot of people are starting to do now. Um, and we should be really proud of those small changes that we're making because we need to be looking after our planet. Um, so yeah, there you go. Can we go on to the negative thing now? Yeah, you be as negative as you want, my love. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, well, it's not really negative and I don't, I'm kind of a bit torn because for everybody that has seen the, in the press, we've talked about it previously. Um, obviously the last podcast talked about the delay of the Six Nations. I put a spin on that, the delay of the women's Six Nations. I put a positive spin on that. Um, but we didn't really touch too much on the Women's Rugby World Cup. But previously spoken about how actually being in New Zealand, it's the one place that you probably could ha- hang your hat on it, actually being able to go ahead. However, there's been lots of stuff in the last few days about whether that can actually happen. And I think there's some really, really valid points. So Scrum Queens and Alison Donnelly um, put some really good stuff out on her feed um, around... Heath did an article for Rugby Pass about it as well. Sorry? Nick Heath. <laughs> Sorry? Nick Heath <laughs> did an article for Rugby Pass about can it, can't it, will it, won't it? Yeah, and I think like from Nick's perspective, he was primarily looking at the cost of... Um, the quarantine when you arrive and I think it was like a hundred thousand pounds a team or something crazy um like where is that money going to come from because obviously it's the players it's the staff it's the like holding bay basically like holding hotel um uh, when it's a tournament that historically is run at a loss so it's not something that makes money that will cover the cost of that um and then the points that Alison brought up um and scrum queens was around um there's still qualifications to happen um tournament like teams haven't really played that much are teams in a position to play um some nations will be going in without that much preparation she interestingly made a point about the fact that if it if foreign supporters can't travel then New Zealand will probably get behind their own team and hopefully the stadiums can be filled with with Kiwis but actually is that fair if you have a different nation there and I actually think that that is a fair point to bring up but when we played in the home world cup we had 90 percent um it's a movie. yeah fans in New- in England and the 10 percent were just Kiwis that lived in London anyway so yeah, there not, might be some there's not going to be hundreds of fans from different nations making the journey outside of players families and whilst it would be really upsetting for their families not to be able to attend if that was the case it's not like a um 
a lion's tour where it, it attracts thousands that it's not part of the economy of the world cup being hosted it's not like New Zealand would have said oh we want to bid for it because we know it's going to bring thousands in fans it doesn't work like that I know you and I talked about this the week before last and one of the other points you made is that you know we would expect the hosts New Zealand to be um, you know they're defending champions they've got the crowd behind them it's a huge deal for them to be hosting this but the reality is that they at this point have had nearly a year of, of almost normalcy whilst the rest of the world has ground to a halt and they've been playing intra um, club competitions they've had many sevens festivals they've had probable versus possibles all of these things at this point we've only got 75 percent of the teams qualified for the tournament those remaining berths could go to a new zealand b new zealand c new zealand d <laughs> and that'll be a semi-final team <laughs> <laughs> i'm only joking obviously yeah. obviously i think that england will be there <laughs> but it's um, kind I, of at what point, even if it is tangibly a possibility for every other reason, if the c other countries going haven't had much rugby, does it devalue? Will there be an asterisk next to the Black Ferns when they win on home soil because England had played four games in the 18 months preceding that? It's interesting, though, because I was messaging Lynn Campbell um Irish legend, legend. Um, and just a general legend she's awesome yeah. and she like was saying about the, the lack of opportunity to play because you know even in England I think we're in a fortunate position because Premier 15s have been played there's a lot of other internationals coming over and playing here which I think will benefit the other teams like America Canada and um, the Japanese players in the league now um, and actually Premier 15 little shout out on their um, social media did a a clip of all of the different nationalities of the players scoring tries I really like that anyway um just kind of made me feel really proud of rugby in England I don't know I was just really cool but like Lynn made the point to me um, and then obviously it was reiterated when I read the stuff today about the lack of playing but historically England is the one that plays all of the games so in 2017 we played 17 test matches in the build-up that year because of all of the um, we had autumns, we had Six Nations, we had summer tour, and then the 17 games included the, the five at the World Cup as well. But, you know, we were the only team that hit that. New Zealand maybe get a couple in the in a, in an autumn tour. We actually toured there before. Um, Australia, I think, don't play any games. You know, I think the European teams do because of Six Nations. So it isn't something that has been a significant it's not like everybody plays the same amount of games going yeah. into World Cup historically, but maybe it's even more noticeable because it's not the test matches, it's just rugby. You know, the yeah. girls in Ireland aren't playing any rugby. The girls around Europe aren't playing any rugby. America, no rugby. You know, everything's being called off. Japan, no rugby. So I think that it's more that point at the fact that, you know, from a consistency perspective and also from a robustness point of view, there's only so much you can do in training games and the intensity will ramp up when you start playing from a competitive perspective. Um, and then the other part of it is that with the women's tournament, although the latter stages have gone to a week turnaround, the first three games are um, every four days. It's a shortened squad than the men's have. Um, and it's six games instead of five. So 
from a player welfare perspective, I think that's probably one of the reasons why it's been brought up. Um, but it's a, it's a fascinating debate because um, I just always thought it was going to go ahead. I just thought it was going to go ahead because actually it was in New Zealand. But there's so many other things to take into consideration. And that, you know what we would we actually talked about in the office today because we were talking about like what do we think the next international global sporting event will be because obviously there's even more doubt over the Olympics now. And we were talking about the the World Cup in New Zealand. And one of my colleagues said, it's the, in our heads, we look at things like the Australian Open where players are quarantining in the run-up to the competition. And there's this kind of throwaway, well, you know, players can do that outside of England, France, um, you know, a, a tiny group of teams at the tournament most players aren't professional and you're asking people to take probably 12 weeks away from their jobs you know if you are a teacher or something like that you're just simply not going to be able to do that it's going to be very very difficult and that's something that also needs to be considered and and you know players who are mums that's a long time to be away from your family and you know we talk and sometimes I feel we talk about things like players who are mums but you know you're talking about 20 year old girls in some squads younger going away from home for that long and that's a long time and it's a long way to go for most countries other than Australia so yeah I think like I think the biggest thing is not necessarily the time away from work because quite a lot of people um have found careers to allow that to happen you know I, I worked in the jobs I worked in to allow me to do it and that was just the sacrifice I made it, it it's one of the biggest things that when people say oh you know, why does being an amateur elite athlete like challenge your future? And it's not actually the fact that you, I got time off. I got time off and I was probably one of the few that progressed to a point because I did courses and I networked and I developed and what I, I, I'm not in a sp one specific career at the moment. But the reason it affects a lot of girls is because they get given the time off, they get given the support, but they never get promoted. They yeah, never get the opportunity it. to be at, you know, late 20s early 30s depending on when how long their international career goes on they're kind of like a 20 even though they've been doing it for how many years they're still like a 22 23 year old in terms of progression um but I think the biggest thing for it is also um to take unpaid leave like to not be paid by their union to be there um and to have to fund it because um yeah, they're, they're, it's unpaid leave rather than holiday um, or annual leave. And uh, I think, you know, I remember Giselle, I don't know the full story, we'll have to get her back on, but I remember her telling me how um, they did loads of fundraising. She loves a raffle book. Um, they did loads of fundraising before the World Cup in 1994. And um, she'd like collected all the raffle money in and they did all sorts of stuff, like to just try and scrape together the money to to pay for the hotel and to pay for you know so the players weren't having to pay too much out of their own pocket um and apparently she went I'm pretty sure she went to the hotel to pay the bill afterwards and basically all of it it was like raffle money so it's like coming in like 20 p's or 50 p's <laughs> um which I thought was yeah I think I feel like we've progressed on that we might need we might see some crowdfunding for uh, some of those players potentially <laughs> um, I was gonna something I was gonna talk to you about, kind of unrelated to this, but Giselle's made me think of it. Not because she's old. Please don't ever think I'm saying that about you, Giselle. Uh, <gasps> but just looking back at '94 and people who played in that World Cup and around that era, um, it's the 150th anniversary of England rugby this year. 
the RFU in some guys. And um, there was a tweet today, I think by Allianz about um, the first um, like team sheet for England women versus Wales women. And Bird was on there and it was from April, 1987. And I sat there and thought about it. And I think that Bird made her Wales debut and, and Wales women made their debut before any single player in the current Wales squad was born. I don't think anyone is older than that team sheet <laughs> in the current Wales squad. And I just found it a really, we, you know, we talk a lot about the changes in the women's game and it's short history, but actually it now feels quite long when you say things like that. So, yeah, well, I, you know what I need to find out actually is um, one thing that I worked on and there was loads of people that contributed to it, but um, I was like quite passionate about driving forward before the 2017 World Cup was um, to find out our red rays numbers because it was something that really frustrated me that the boys had their numbers and they, you become part of a gang, you know, when you've got like a membership number and, um, and actually the kind of the order that you come in and who was before you and who was after you um and I remember so we got them stylish polo that we regularly would have as our like smart wear at a world cup and we had special polos made with a gold rose um and on the arm we had our red rose number um, stitched in um so my number is 109 um obviously like I have been around for years, but loads of the girls hadn't quite realized because Rocky at that point was on cap 2071. Um, I, um, I, mean, I hadn't got that many caps. I mean, I was on, I was on still fair amounts in the, in the 70s, um, but with all the injuries I'd had and all that type of stuff, no one really knew that I'd got capped before Rocky and she's 110. So they went from, it was really lovely. So the two um centurions handed them out so tam and rocky at the time presented as the centurions all of the shirts and i think it started with maybe ben or zoe allcroft and i think they were like two four seven and then it went down the team and then it was like and and then rocky and then everyone was literally like there's still one left um and i was like oh, jesus how when did you get cut how old are you <laughs> um but yeah, it's something I was sorting out some stuff the other day and I, I found, I mean, it is tiny when I hold my hold it up to myself, but um, my little white polo. Maybe I can send a, um, a little social media post out with Rocky and I and our polos, but um, I'd actually be really interested to know how many uh, capped players there are for England and also for the other nations, because I feel like we've probably got more than most, um, given that we play so many test matches, um, I don't think we would be close to 300 yet. I feel like we're maybe in the 270s. Um, but then I was like, that's mad that I was 109 and at the rap, I was still playing at, two fifth, at 247. Yeah. Um, it's also mad that the kind of, there'd been a good, well, over 15 years of rugby before, about, yeah, say 15 or so years of rugby but then I guess there's probably been about 15 years of rugby since you were capped so that does make sense to have doubled sorry <laughs> I was kind of trying to do some maths then but like let's be honest so, no, right. so bad at maths um I'm well, before... my biggest concern this week so um I'm producing I'm co-producing scrum five this week for the first oh, sorry about that sorry about that which is quite exciting but um I'm really not for me mate wow it's not for me I because 
I have 110% faith in you. I think you're going to absolutely smash it. You've got the opportunity because you're great. But Jesus Christ, you moan. Like, I just feel like you've got to back yourself, girl. You've got to, you're going to do well. A lot of plates spinning. And it's, it's weird because on the one hand, I have a lot of faith in myself as a creative producer and I know that I come up with good ideas and I make good content and that's me giving myself a pat on the back because it's measured with the fact that I'm so bad at math it is a it is honestly (laughs) where when you're in school I I was one of those people who had that mentality of well in the real world I'll use a calculator so number one in tv you count in time code so you count in 60s I don't have the ability to do this. I cannot count in time code. You count in frames per second, quite rarely, but you have to count in in minutes of the hour. Really, really hard. And I'm really concerned that I'm going to get something very wrong and where the show should be um, 30 minutes, it's going to be like three hours because I'm going to put a decimal place in the wrong place or it'll be... 60 minutes because I haven't added things up correctly so you'll still be on the introduction in the middle of the show you know what funny story about numbers um anyone that knows me knows that actually it's probably one of my strengths um dad's a math teacher love it ultimate geek um love a number it's the only thing I remember I don't remember anything else I can smash off like loads of people's phone numbers um not that I actually had that many mates now I don't know what I do but anyway I can remember most of them um and when so we were touring Canada, got 2011, 2012, and I it was around the dislocation I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, my thumb dislocation. So my hand was in cast. There was no point me flying back. We were playing the final game, big match against Canada, obviously the home side. Um, and unfortunately, it was really awful. The strength and conditioning coach that was with us, Dan um, Howells. Uh, I think a mem- like a close member's family passed away or was really sick so he had to travel home so they were like look don't worry um, Nolly can run the warm-up so I was like can I because actually by that point like we were four games into a tour we'd it, we had a routine for a warm-up I didn't run the rugby but actually it's literally down to the minute like back down to 30 seconds right so yeah does it Anyway, so he'd sent me this massive like list of this is when you do it. And this and at the time it was when um, players were taking um, Pro Plus. That, that was like the new thing. Yeah. And so there was like timings for that. There was timings for certain people to do certain things. And it was like, everyone loves a routine, right? So I was like, had a clipboard, cap on. I, I've got this girl. He got the timings wrong. He basically missed, I think it was like a four and a half minutes. Our warm up was 17 minutes. And he missed four and a half minutes. So I had to claw back four and a half minutes from different exercises. But I was like, okay, next one, let's go through. Next one, let's go through. (laughs) It was so awful. The girls are like, should we take our Pro Plus? Yep. Just looked at my watch. No idea what was going on. Yep, time to take it. But you know what? If you got that all in, in time for kickoff, maybe that could be a career path for you as PA in TV. Because... (laughs) You know, you, you'll see what it's like. You can hear it in your ear when you're working. They are literally like a, a chat will over. I don't think people realize that everything in TV is planned. So when pundits are having a chat, that is planned to the second. Like we know in the running order, that chat is going to be three and a half minutes long and it'll go over. And then a PA 
as we call them in the gap, a production assistant or sometimes a director's assistant will be looking further down the running order and taking 30 seconds off a later chat or adding it on. Whereas I'm there in, in the other side of the truck, taking my shoes and socks off, trying to count my things and toes and crying. So maybe that could be a career <laughs> option for you. Uh, no, I mean, the only reason I was able to blag it was because I knew when the girls kind of looked like they were warm and like, let's go next one. Um, and I think they appreciated, I think I just took out a couple of the like boring stretches. So I was like, right, just no, we're on that one. We don't need them. It's like the final game. <laughs> would, like stretching their hands to make sure they don't look like yours. And you're like, no, no, no don't worry about that. Don't worry. Wow. Um, I actually couldn't hear you my headphones keep cutting out but um right. I, you look like you were taking the mick out of me always um well I mean we may as well round this off because we said we weren't going to do a long one this week for you guys because we weren't um but we might be making an appearance on the radio this weekend so we'll put some details about that on our... you look really confused it's what we discussed before we came on the pod yeah no that's cool I will put some um, new on social media so you can tune into that um anything uh, to add danielle yeah so we also have some stuff running through the six nations and we have prizes we um have is playing wins prizes so we are going to need some social media engagement and um, we have a new um twitter handle that we will be putting this out on so um, give that a follow if you don't it's um, already the tryhards pod yeah, so instead of tryhards pod, it's called the, the tryhards pod. pod. Um, yeah, and I think maybe if you've got any content you'd like us to chat through, um, obviously it's going to be primarily men's rugby that's going to be happening. But if you want us to keep up to date with Premier 15s and you want certain topics discussed, then get in touch because um, both of us are going to be in the men's swing of things with commentary and running programs and being important as a producer and stuff um so yeah let us know one thing I did want to just shout out is um Canterbury Ladies Rugby are um another um fundraiser that are clocking up the kilometers to head from Canterbury to Auckland not Canterbury in New Zealand Canterbury in Kent because otherwise <laughs> wouldn't really be that far amongst all of yeah. them uh, but the girls have um clocked up I can't tell you how far so they passed I mean, you struggle do you struggle reading numbers as well? Yeah, I do. Uh, but I know they've passed Romania. They're just short of the Black Sea. Um, 59 humans have contributed and a lot of dogs. Yeah. Um, so, okay, well, cool. I'll uh, send me the link. I'll sign up. Um, and if you've got any other little challenges that you're up to, um, as I say, we've got prizes for the Six Nations, but we could expand into prizes for other things that if we find them interesting, because... I emptied a drawer the other day and found some tryhard water bottles. So I thought you were going to look say, out. I emptied a drawer and I've got loads of cutlery I don't need now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 